I have a fantastic guest to introduce to you today. Her name is Jill Lane. And one thing I love about the Family Brand Podcast is it gives me the opportunity to connect with amazing humans who are so smart and so knowledgeable in different areas. And usually it's things that are interesting to Chris or I or that are really relevant in our family. And that is the case with Jill today. We have boys, teenage boys, um, who are playing sports and they're wanting to get better. They wanted to become better athletes, get stronger, faster. Tanner is on the freshman basketball team this year, and he's really looking forward to his next year, but wondering like, how can I progress? His coaches have told him, you know, it would really help you if you could get stronger and faster um, in the upcoming years. I would help you get more playing time. And so this has been a conversation we've been having in our own home. So we thought, why have we never had Jill on the podcast? Chris has known her for a long time, and I had the opportunity to meet her uh, about a year and a half ago. And she is just fantastic. And so she does this very thing. She works with athletes and helps them. I'm just going to read her official bio. She's the founder of Fueling Champions. She has spent over 20 years consulting, coaching, and teaching integrative performance, nutrition, energy availability, and exercise physiology. She works with pro athletes. She works with student athletes. Um, and she herself is a former high school All-American, Olympic development team member, collegiate, and semi-pro athlete. She's also a mom of three student athletes herself. I love that. I feel like she can totally relate to the people that she's serving because she's she's in it herself. Yeah, so check out this conversation with Jill. It is so good. I'm recording this intro after the fact, but she just really opened my mind to a lot of things that Chris and I could be doing better and really supporting our kids better. But sometimes supporting looks like maybe challenging. Also, if you remember, um, that's a big part of what we like to talk about at Family Brand is challenge and support and finding that balance with your student athletes. So I won't give away any more of the episode, but I'm excited for you to listen and support your kids who have goals for themselves, um, physical goals. Um, even if it's not student athletes specifically, it's just great principles for for raising kids and helping them achieve their goals that they want for themselves. Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Okay, so as Melissa shared, we're here with Jill Lane. And, uh, you know, not only is Jill amazing at what she does, right? Like you just heard, worked with tons of professional athletes, Olympians, high school All-Americans. She's a um, committed, amazing mom. However, there's something really special that I wanted to share about Jill that I don't know if this has ever happened with one of our guests. The very first two-day workshop that I ever put on when I started my coaching um, and consulting business, Jill was one of the attendees. And so I've always loved Jill. I've always loved what she stood, stands for and just the amazing work she does. And so Jill, I'm so stoked uh, to have you on the podcast. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. I admire you both for the work that you do and the people that you are in this world. So it's really a blessing for me to get to share this time with you and just pass on what I know. Yeah. And, and by the way, just to clarify, Jill, not make you nervous. I had done a lot of coaching consulting prior to that. It was just my first <laughs> workshop. Jill's like, uh, wait a minute. Did I, did I get like a good deal, a good value from that? Um, and I got to meet Jill. So, um, not last fall break, but the fall break before we were visiting Texas and Jill lives in Texas. And it just so happened that we met up. Um, yeah, we met up and I got to meet Jill in real life and she was amazing. She wore our son's t-shirt company, Creator Complain. She wore a Creator Complain shirt for the meetup. <laughs> and I just thought you were fantastic from that moment forward. Yeah, it was awesome. I love it. Uh, okay, so Jill, you've like, as as Melissa shared in the introduction, You've had this amazing, you know, career as a, you know, coach and consultant around performance, nutrition, and you've, I would say more recently felt really called to serve more maybe student athletes and families. 
mm-hmm. as the founder of Fueling Champions. So yeah, what what led you there? Yeah, no, it's such a great question. So I'm in this interesting place in my career and my life where I've spent as much time as a business owner as I did as a student athlete, about roughly 20 years in each compartment. And then as a mom, uh, my oldest is 16 and a half and my youngest is 12. So three really busy student athletes. Um, I was getting asked, I was blessed very early in my career to have a a clientele of very high profile elite level athletes, Hall of Famers, NBA champions, Super Bowls champions. And of course, by nature in this industry, when you do that type of work, when people catch wind of it, they start to ask you if you can do that work for Johnny and Susie and their kids. And it was, I think, just God's nudge to me to lean into that because I spent 20 years of my life as a student athlete, and I didn't know any of what I know now. And my health and my performance suffered for it. And it took me about 10 years to kind of fix myself after my student athlete career was over. And so it was just like a really beautiful and natural transition for me to take what I had learned. Um, I was already working in the industry for, gosh, about 10 years at that time and working with high-level athletes, as I mentioned, and my kids were little, um, to start to work with the student-athlete population, which is just, you know, um, a way for me to pass on and a way for me to teach the generation that we have now who I believe are perfect future leaders to take care of themselves. And so Fueling Champions was just really built out of my desire to pass on what I know and fill the gaps on what I wish I would have known and what I wish my parents would have known um, when I was a student athlete. Will you tell us more about your student athlete career? I realize I don't really know your journey. It, well, and I'm actually selfishly, I, I wanted Jill to come on the podcast because I know that she would just be amazing at serving everyone who listens. And selfishly for us, we have five children, four, our athletes, our youngest tells us often and reminded us last night, she's not an athlete, I do not like sports. So she has her own path and we love her and support her in that. And she's awesome. Um, But like, yeah, we, we have some, like, particularly our sons right now are like, I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger. I want to be a better athlete. And so this is so relevant for us, but yeah, I love the question of, yeah, what was your student athlete journey? Yeah. And you know, you remind me something, Chris, before I dive into a little about myself, we're going to talk about stuff pertaining to student athletes. That's the work I do. But a lot of what we talk about pertains to the whole family. So for your non-athletes that are declaring that to be true right now for them or parents, um, a lot of what we're going to talk about today, I hope that we get to, and a lot of the work that I do is really for the whole family. There's a few little, um, uh, twists and turns for the student athletes that we might get to around energy availability before we're done today. But um, listen, even if you don't have athletes in your family, um, for some things I think that will be helpful for you. So, I mean, I think my athlete journey started when I was meant to race the boy, when I was made to race the boys in kindergarten at field day because I was too fast to race the girls. So I think that's just, you know, what God had planned out for me when I was like five years old. Um, but I started playing soccer, um, you know, when I was at that age, five, six years old, I played, you know, in today's terms, you know, rec soccer for one year. And then I went onto a club competitive soccer team in like first and second grade. And I played, you know, on, on really good soccer teams all through, um, my junior high and high school years, you know, um, so soccer was my sport of choice. I dabbled in some other sports, but every, anything that just involved running fast, was what worked for me. Uh, and I was blessed at the time to earn some scholarships, so Division two and Division one, which at that time was rare for female athletes. You know, I keep saying 20 years ago, but people keep correcting me like, Jill, that was actually 40 years ago, or I don't know what the math is. But in the 90s, it was rare for women to get scholarships. You know, that was something that was just being Title IX and all that was just being developed. And so that was a big blessing for me. Um, not a lot of people went to, had gone to college, you know, in my family, uh, my cousins and all of that. So for me to be, be able to go to college and have that paid for um, was a big deal. But to be quite honest with you, I was not a confident student athlete. I had very low self-esteem. So I was, I was winning a lot of awards. I was the leading scorer in my district. I was always wore the captain band. I was in the controlled position at center midfield in the sport that I play. But when the lights were off, I had very low energy, very low self-esteem, very low confidence. And so there's this dichotomy with athletes that still lives today. Some of the people we admire, even that we watch on TV, you know, are still like this behind closed doors. And so 
Fueling champions has a bit of a double meaning for me. Fueling is the typical things we could think of, the X's and O's of what to eat, when, and why, and just fueling our performance and our wellness and our confidence. But the champion component of it for me really is, okay, winning. We all want to win. We all want to be champions. That's why we love sport. And that's, you know, uh, sport teaches us a lot of valuable life lessons. So I love sports for that. But it's more about championing people and I am where I am today because I was championed by some very key people in my student athlete journey and even today as a business owner and as a mom. And so fueling champions really has a double meaning. It's about getting the fueling component down so we can be well athletes and play our sport as long as we choose and so that we can learn how to champion ourselves and champion others. And that's where parents and coaches and performance-based business leaders, you know, come into my business um, because it's a powerful tool. And it's definitely what helped me as a low self-esteem, low confidence, very high-performing elite athlete, be able to last in my sport as long as I did. It's awesome. So, okay, I want to get to the fueling side of just like the athlete. Mm -hmm. So you talk about this, uh, I think an acronym REDS a lot and like why every parent must know that. And so, so that question, and if, if our audience today, if you're like, you have to like really focus on these handful of things and maybe it's covered in this acronym reds, but like as a jump starter, as a place to like start focusing on, what would you say? So if you have a student athlete in your house that you're interested or any child, to be quite honest, that you're interested in delving into nutrition or wellness or health a little bit more for me, in my experience, the there's two really important things to know. The first is health doesn't sell to our kids. So telling them to do something because it's healthy mm-hmm. really means nothing to them. And maybe you guys have experienced this already with your kids, but usually ends up with some big explosion on my end when I go that way. And when when parents come to me, they say, hey, Joe, I've been talking to my kid about this being healthy and this being healthy. And I do healthy things, but they don't want to do it. I'm like, that's right. They don't want to do it because it doesn't really mean anything to them because that's how especially the teenage brain works. They only acutely care about what's in their little bubble of life. And health is too a bit aspirational to them. I think maybe post-pandemic, maybe there's a little bit of a shift of understanding of what it means to be healthy and not healthy. But what they care about is what is meaningful to them. So I really teach parents, and this is the approach I take with my own kids, to know your your, your kids' goals, your student athletes' goals. What are their acute and chronic goals And when we talk about performance nutrition, we can align it to their sport. So you mentioned your sons wanting to get bigger, stronger. That's a goal. Wanting to get on the varsity team, wanting to get more minutes, wanting to make more three-point shots. So there's something, find out what their tangible goals are. And when you start to talk to parents, especially of student athletes, you'd be surprised at how often they don't actually really know their kids' own words. So in their kids' words, what their goals are. Because once you know what your their goals are, then you can take all of the X's and O's and correlate it to achieving those goals. And so now it's like, hey, now it becomes, instead of becoming, you need to eat protein at breakfast or I made these eggs, you need to eat these legs because that nutrition lady over there said you need to do that. It becomes, hey, Tate, you said you want to really work on getting stronger, you know, this off season. And protein helps maintain, helps the body maintain and gain muscle mass. So when you're in the gym, it's like 10xing those benefits. And so then that's a real goal for him. He understands the why. And now the choice, now we give our children the power to choose, which is a really important um, gift that we can teach them at a young age. So that's how I teach nutrition, understanding how food benefits you and how it lines to your acute and chronic goals. And then you're left with the choice to choose. I'm going to do that or I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, you can reflect back on, you know, if you hit your goal or not, was there something you could have done a little bit better or, or maybe you nailed it. So the first thing is to know your athletes or your, um, your kiddos or your, your goals. So you understand why you're doing something. Yeah. I want to say something on that because we've actually experienced this recently. Uh, so one of our sons has a goal getting bigger, stronger, and faster specifically. So, you know, he, he, he sees the potential he has this season, but also could see what's possible for next season. Yeah. And prior to this, like one of our, one of our family's values is Mr. Healthy and active, right? So we try to model it the best we can. We try to demonstrate it, uh, Melissa and I, and we talk to our kids a lot. And to your point, like health doesn't sell to kids. I totally love that. And I've 
believe that, you know, and, and I've had that experience of it. And I've seen more progress because I've been telling him forever, like, hey, I would, I would consume this much protein. I would eat these kinds of foods. I would take these kinds of supplements. Very hit or miss, very inconsistent. However, lately, as he's gotten more clear on, I want to put on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle between mm-hmm. now and next season. I want to put this many inches on my vertical. That has compelled him to do more around his nutrition and health than ever before. So I think that's, yeah, it's really profound. Like, yeah. what are their specific goals? Whether they're an athlete or not, like, what are their specific goals as it relates to things they want to accomplish or do? And then how do you link that back to nutrition? Yeah, one question yeah. that comes up for me, and I might be jumping ahead, but we've found this like interesting. It's been interesting trying to find the balance of like, when do you kind of push and be like, here are the eggs I made you. And when do you kind of let them take the lead? And then you're just follow. Cause sometimes I feel like, okay, I think we're talking about this too much. He's tired of us hearing, hearing us talk about this. Let's just let him take the lead. But then maybe he doesn't really know how to take the lead. Like that's been an interesting balance for us. Would you have any, any thoughts or suggestions about that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So two things. So I mentioned there are two things that I, you guys already said the word, but I mentioned there was two things um, I suggest. The first one is knowing their goals. The second is the word you said, modeling. And so we can't expect our kids to do what we're not doing when it comes to health. And so they need to see it happening in their environment, which you guys I know are doing. But for a lot of us parents, we do have to have like that hard conversation with ourselves. And if we want our kids to eat more vegetables or drink less soda, we have to also be doing that just as from a point of integrity. So you guys are doing that. So we know we can check that box. The second is, um, he knows his goals, you know, his goals. He let's just for the sake of conversation knows that protein is helpful to helping him achieve those goals. You might run down a list of what foods have protein. You mentioned eggs, you know, chicken, Greek yogurt, protein shakes, I work with athletes starting at the teenage years, 13 and up, because I believe they are psychologically and emotionally um, responsible and developed enough at that time to correlate and connect, you know, action and result. And so there's a, there is a role of responsibility that takes place and them knowing, and also a handing of the baton, maybe potentially for you, Melissa, I know as moms, but also for you, Chris, that you're going to make the eggs some days of the week and the other days he's responsible and so this is another gift we give our kids to make them responsible as, as uh, in the process of them achieving their goals. They're, you know, middle school age especially is a hard transition. There's just so, that's the highest dropout weight rate for student athletes is middle school, right around 13. Because middle school sucks, right? There's just a lot going on there. There's pimples, there's hormones. A lot of sports, have, you have to choose. I'm either going to be elite or I can't play anymore. There's no in-between for athletes at that age. It's really... Um, unfortunate. So there's just a lot going on. And the biggest gift I think we can give our kids at that time is this responsibility for being a part of the process of achieving their own goals, which means that mom or dad isn't going to do everything for them anymore, all the time anymore, right? We're not going to cook all the meals. We're not going to make all the snacks. I had a student athlete um, a couple summers ago, who's trying to get bigger, stronger, faster, male student athlete. He comes in for a second visit. Part of his day is supposed to be having a protein shake in the afternoon. He's not having it. I asked why. He said, because my mom didn't make it for me. He's a freshman in high school. And so I'm going, I, you know, I wanted to say all sorts of things, but as the coach, I'm like, okay, well, do you have a blender? Yes. Do you know how to use it? No. He didn't know how to work his blender. And so that, you know, I didn't, we just had life skills summer with my kids in my house where I went through laundry, running the blender, cooking eggs a few ways, like basic life skills to make like sure that life skills yeah, summer <laughs> to make sure that my kids could do, you know, if I'm not home or if they're on their own or something, they can do some basic things. And so I assume my kids know how to do a lot of things, but then when I ask, I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't, I haven't really taught you that. So maybe he needs, you know, and this might not be true, but maybe he needs help knowing how to make eggs three ways, scrambled, hard boiled, fried, you know, maybe we need to run through showing them exactly and specifically how to make a protein shake. So it tastes good with just the right amount of liquid. And then once we've done that, we know their goals, the behaviors modeled, they know the why, then we kind of have to let, we got to kind of let them go out of the bird's nest and learn that, you know, 
these actions help me achieve my goals. And if three weeks, he feels like he's not making progress and we can go, hey, were you filling in the gaps on your own with your own behavior? And you just have to let them connect the dots. That's how I coach in my business. And that's how I teach my kids. Because if we enable them all the time, and I've had this happen with pro athletes, I've been phoned by the director of performance nutrition for an NBA team who said to me, your client can't make his plate when we're on the road. He doesn't know what to put on his plate. So there was a lot wrong with that conversation. But let me tell you, that was the first and last time I ever got that phone call. And I had to really go, how am I enabling these people that I work with by doing everything for them? And so this applies to elite athletes and to our, our children. Yeah, I love this conversation because we've been experiencing it. Because I think there's two extremes. One extreme is we do everything for them. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't serve them. And, and, and in Family Brand, we have, you know, we just basically call it the high challenge, high support matrix. And so there's these four quadrants. And so you, you really, you want to try and be as best you can in the high challenge, high support. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. challenge you more than you've ever been challenged, but support you more than you've ever been supported. Mm-hmm. So the other extreme is, high support, low challenge, which is like, okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll do everything for you, make it for you, which it's easy to create an, a, a feeling of entitlement in your kid or enabling yeah. them. I think the other extreme is I've taught you how to do it. And now I'm just going to harp on you and ride you yes. all the time and like shame and guilt and you make you resent me in the sport. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really tricky finding that middle ground of, okay, I supported you by showing you I've supported you by linking food to your goals. Mm-hmm. I've helped you articulate what your goals are. So you're clear on them. I've helped you see a path forward. I've you taught know you how, how to, to use the blender. Yeah, you know how to use the blender. You know how to make eggs, right? Like yes. I've really supported you and, and, and look, and we'll make them some of the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to challenge you that if you want this, go, go get it. And then the hardest part for me is like, and then just like sit back and like, See if they take it. And if they do, celebrate them. And if they don't, still love them. Mm-hmm. So they don't feel any like pressure and then continue to model it myself. Yep. I think Melissa and I are different though. I think Melissa would probably, maybe we can do some on-air um, therapy <laughs> right here. Um, I think Melissa would lean more towards the support and I'll just make everything for you. And I would lean too far to the like challenge and harp on them. And like, why didn't you have your second smoothie today? I think it's a, but I, I love like you just laid out like, yeah, this is, this is how you challenge them. This is how you support them. And then you got to let them, if it's that, if it's important to them enough, yes, they'll do it. And if it's not, they won't. And I think by them saying they, they're not doing it as parents, maybe you got to be okay with that. No matter how much potential you see they have or how much you want it for them. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, um, it's a real, sometimes painful place for us as parents to watch our kids in any vein, whether it's food, whether academics, if we see potential and we see it not, you know, we see this untapped potential. I tell my kids that is one of the most painful things as a parent to, to know that they have the potential and to see it just, I don't want to say being wasted, but not utilized or not being, um, you know, seeing the fullest possibility with it. And what I'll say about that is, all of, our, all of your kids are different, right? So you're going to have a couple kids that latch onto it. They can just, they'll run with it. They'll do all the things. And you'll have some that are, will do it, but it's going to take a little bit longer. And then some that won't. And that's just the blessing of ki- kids and people being different. And so, and that's the challenge as a parent. You know, I have three kids. I'd say I have like, you know, high, medium, and low. I have three kids that approach what I do all very differently. One that's very disciplined around it. One that's like in the middle and one that's kind of okay, interested, but it's not really on her radar right now. So put it there and let's see what happened. But you, you brought up something um, that, that makes me think of the champion part of feeling champions, Chris, and that it's like when we see potential in our kids, how hard do we lean in? And I will tell you that I wouldn't be here right now having this conversation with you if I didn't have, uh, my dad wasn't a leaner in or a hard leaner in her, meaning I you know, he challenged me a lot when I, when I didn't think I was good enough for certain things, or I wasn't getting that extra running in that I need, or I wasn't outside kicking the ball up against the wall, getting my extra touches in. And I, um, didn't care for that behavior from him at that time. It didn't, we didn't have a bad relationship, but I just, I didn't love that because it was touching a part of me that was not, um, strong self-esteem, self-confidence. 
But I am forever grateful that he did lean in. And it's just going back to what I know you guys are probably better than me at, to be quite honest, is just reminding them of what's possible, reminding them of who they are and challenging them to um, continue to grow and chase after it. I'll just restate that all of our kids, in my experience, and even within the families I work with, will do it at a different rate. So I think that's the part that's hard as parents because we see them doing it at a different rate. But yeah, for me, one of the hardest things is watching untapped potential, watching potential not being realized. Um, and I, I, my kids know that. So they know when I lean in, it's because I feel like that's part of parenting. I think there's a way to do it. Um, but um, championing people is about leading them and being who they can't be quite yet for them. And I, I feel like because adolescents are growing in every way, spiritually, mentally, physically, they don't have all of the fully developed skills. And honestly, as an adult, I don't even have yeah. that every day. You know, I still need people to champion me um, in ways in my life. And so that is our, our greatest gift, I believe, as parents is to know when to champion our kids until they can champion themselves. And to me, that's like, you know, my ultimate goal. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. And it reminds me of something that we talk about quite often is that you it's easy to take for granted maybe a conversation that someone might have with you where they speak that mm -hmm. potential into you or they maybe champion you. And even if it's someone that maybe it's just one conversation one time, like the profound impact that that, that can have on on a person. And it can be anybody, right? So I also, you know, we can champion anybody. I can champion a kid on another team that my kid plays. Like if I see some kid, a goalie or, uh, you know, we, it doesn't have to be our own kid that we can champion. We can champion other people's kids. We can champion each other. We can champion our neighbors. We can, you know, so I, I would love to just put it out there that yes, you know, I, I, I believe in starting in your own family and some people will never have anybody champion them or some people your words that you say to them that day could be something they remember, like you said, Melissa, for the rest of their life. And so championing people, um, you know, I, I, I think that's just part of what I've been put here to do. I could never really put any language around it. And so that part of fueling champions is really meaningful for me, because like I said, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for a key handful of people in my adolescent and um, youth and during my soccer career and a, a few key people in my business and in, in parenting life, those two kind of separate 40 year buckets. Um, and I, I believe everybody needs those people. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, you know, we dramatically underestimate the power of championing people and speaking just a little bit of possibility into them. And mm -hmm. I think it's one of our greatest responsibilities as parents is to speak possibility into our children and, and champion them. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I've observed in, in coaching, consulting as well in companies is people are willing to be challenged if they also know you're going to support them. 100%. Like you earn the right to kind of challenge people by showing up for them and loving them. Yes. And, and I just think it's, yeah, it's one of the most profound things we can do is champion our kids and speak, speak possibility to them. And sometimes that possibility looks like putting your arm around them and, mm -hmm. hey, I love you, great game. And sometimes like championing them looks like putting your arm around them and being like, hey, you're capable of more. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a little, it's a little harder conversation, you know, but both of those can be had from a place of, of love. And yeah, I think I, I love this conversation. They do sometimes need our help and it's okay. to. And I think we also, also have to teach them to know how to ask for help. So if we feel like they have the capability and all this stuff, but maybe they're busy, they're schooling, student athletes have it way harder than the pro athletes I work with, way harder. And so um, I have to teach my kids to say, just ask me for help. Like if you know you need that shake, you want it in 30 minutes, but you're studying and not, just say, hey, mom, could you, I want, can you help me with that shake today? You know, so it's not that, so it does, you know, I'm not, you know, that's. We could do better at that. Our kids to asking, to, to teaching our kids or maybe just giving them permission to let it be okay that they ask us for help uh, is also a big thing. Cause it's like, you go back to that is, are we being too strong or too soft on them? Well, there's a middle ground too. Like they know they need to do it, but they got a few balls in the air. They're trying to work through and 
let's just give them permission to say, hey, mom, like, or dad, can you help me with this shake? Like, I want to do it. It's important to me. Can you make it for me today? I'd really appreciate that. It's just giving them so many life skills. Again, um, a life skill I wish I would have had, just knowing that it's okay to ask for help with certain things. You know, I, I feel like I learned that way too late in my life and it's still something that I'm, you know, trying to get better at. So I think that's a really valuable skill set um, to give our kids. It's, you know, to add, they're advocating for themselves, right? Like I need help with something that translates over to school. It, it helps them communicate with their coaches better. Um, you know, that's a skill set that applies to, again, a lot of things in their life, not just their, their food and their fueling. Totally. I feel like we asked you a question earlier, but then didn't really, we like layered on a lot of questions. We asked five questions in one question. (laughs) So I want to go back to this one talking about reds. Uh, You teach something called reds. Will you expand on that a bit more? Yeah. So I'll I'll try to keep this really short because it's a big conversation, but um, just to understand the concept of it, I think is really powerful. So reds stands for relative energy deficiency in sport. So energy, when we think about the body, is measured in the form of calories, and we get that from the food we eat. So energy deficiency means a calorie deficiency in sport. So Joe, like, what the heck does that mean? So I'm going to do math on a podcast, which is really tricky and usually not advised, but I'm just going to try to paint a picture here. So we eat energy all day long um, through our food, and it's measured in calories. And then we expend energy when we move and we exercise and we train. And so energy availability is a math equation, the energy that we take in minus the energy that we put out from exercise. And what's left on the end of that equation is called energy availability. It's some amount of calories. So for the sake of simple math, say we eat in 1500 calories, we exercise off 500, we have a thousand extra calories left. That thousand calories is called energy availability. And that thousand calories is responsible for running the rest of our metabolic need, our heart beating, the energy it takes to digest food, the energy it takes to repair tissue, the energy it takes for student athletes to form bone, still form organs, grow their brain, all of these things. So REDS is chronic low energy availability, meaning there's not enough energy available to run just the normal day-to-day things that we all need chronically over a period of time. And because of that, a bunch of stuff with growth and development and metabolism and mental health and cardiovascular health and bone health and musculoskeletal health and coordination and concentration and hangriness and anxiety, all of that gets impacted because there's not enough literal gas in the tank to fuel it all. The crazy thing about REDS Um, is that it preferentiates energy intake is preferentiated to activity. This is probably just like a primal survival mechanism. If we needed to run from danger or, you know, to seek shelter, our energy would be put to that first. And then our metabolism would really get what's left over. But we still have that simple programming in our biology and our physiology But the problem is, is that we have a lot of needs and the population that suffers the most from REDS or chronic low energy availability, it has to be pretty progressed to become REDS, but I I do believe a lot of people um, have it and don't know. I believe I had it as a student athlete for quite a long time. Um, Chronic low energy availability in a student athlete looks like underdevelopment, physiologically, psychologically, bone health, um, mental health is being connected to everything. And so there's some beautiful graphs in the papers. The British Journal of Sports Medicine actually did an update this year. About every five years, they do an update that has a beautiful graphic on all of the things that um, that chronic low energy availability and REDS can impact. But in our kids who are developing beings still, um, that that part of who they are is more important than the sport, you know, their bone health, their their capability to maximize their, you know, genetic potential when it comes to height and bone strength and muscle and brain development and organ development and all the things that you know our youth are being challenged with when it comes to mental health and just general wellness if they don't have enough calories left over after what they spend at practice and strength training and everything is um, is subtracted then all of that really important stuff doesn't get what it needs to maximize potential and wellness and so we want to make sure that we're well fueled. And that's what kind of like the subtag for fueling champions is wellness, performance, and confidence, because 
an athlete can't be well, an athlete can't perform an elite level over time if they're not first well. And to be well, you have to have enough calories and food to go around for everything. And so um, that's kind of the, the cliff note version on reds. It's chronic low energy availability. And what suffers, interestingly enough, is not performance, um, but all of our metabolic need first. This is why women lose their periods. And and um, and it's part of the reason why that happens. And, you know, it's such a taboo topic and no one wants to talk about it. But I could count on one hand how many periods I would have a year as student athlete. And that happened to me for over a decade. And everybody just thought that was normal. That's what happens to student athletes that are female student athletes. No big deal. It's not normal. And it should never happen. And that's from, it's a beautiful tool that a woman has to know that, you know, things are on track. Um, and so, you know, with something I'm really passionate about um, teaching student female athletes, especially, and those that lead them, because it's still just, you know, something that's um, very misunderstood and, um, and it's, you know, not too hard to correct, to be honest. Yeah. The, I mean, I, I can actually already think of some situations with our kids where, We've, Melissa and I've just observed just like energy wise and mm. food wise and and sure that can be linked also to like how much time are they spending on devices, how much sleep, but also it makes so much sense. Yeah, of course it would also be linked to, do they have enough food? Do they have the right, enough fuel and the right fuel um, for not just performance, but also like cognition, behavior, yes. just like mood. Um, yes. And like you're saying with student athletes, I'm just running through, you know, one of my son's typical days in in my head. Um, yeah, if they're going to like, say an A hour, they're grabbing food on the go. They're in class all day. He has like 30 minutes for lunch and then goes into weights and then goes to like several hours of basketball practice. Very likely. Yeah. They, he, and any, many student athletes aren't getting the fuel that they need to do all of those things. And then not only are they not getting enough fuel, but the right fuel, like I helped coach junior high football mm -hmm. and, uh, in tryouts, we were they were doing a lot of running and it's hot. It's Arizona. Mm. Kids were throwing up left and right. And I was like, what'd you have for lunch today? And they didn't want to tell me. And I'm like, what'd you have for lunch today? And they're like 44 ounce soda and a bag of chips. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, that doesn't work. You know? So it's like, again, just paying attention to, and you can't monitor. I, I know every single choice your child makes with food, but it's like the right fuel. Yeah. Enough of the right fuel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, you bring, but the first thing we address in performance nutrition is, is enough fuel. That's where performance nutrition up until, and my vantage point up until like five or six years ago would stop. It's not the way I've been doing performance nutrition for years because right after that, it was, where is the fuel coming from? And then you mentioned sleep and all the other stuff. Like certainly if there's low energy happening, we have to ask a few questions, but I always start with food and sleep's a close second. Um, but yeah, making sure it's enough food and then where it comes from matters because we know where that impacts health. Um, and even in elite sports, um, again, in my integrative training, you know, that was something I've been doing different. And, and now the industry is caught up that, you know, what kind of food we eat matters. Um, but just as an example, most student athletes I work with are eating um, at least five times a day and sometimes six. Friends, and then I'll give you an example of my own, uh, my son, he, he's a freshman now when he was in eighth grade, he wanted to start running cross country. And I am like, okay, like, great. You want to try it? When do they practice? 6am. Well, I knew to your point, Melissa, he was already going to school soccer practice, everything club soccer practice. So I said, okay, like I will support that as long as we make an agreement that you're going to have to change your fueling to accommodate for that, you know, additional amount of training that you're going to have to do. And so uh, what happens oftentimes with student athletes is parents, they just get signed up for more skills, more, but the, the fueling doesn't change. It's like asking us to drive. We have a hundred miles worth of gas in our car. We are going to change our destination to drive 200 miles, but we don't put another hundred miles of gas in the car to get to the 200 miles. A car will just run out of gas. Our body will just start to self-destruct to get us to that 200 you know, mile destination. And over time, if you just keep doing that, you will start to have, you know, health declines. So I, you know, when, when parents or coaches start to see an athlete, you know, fatigued, tired, concentration, coordination issues, not progressing as they think they should with their strength program or something in practice, maybe they're becoming disinterested in the sport. The first thing I always ask is like, tell me about their fueling because literally they could just be out of gas. 
And that impacts so much of who they are. It doesn't have to only be food or it might not ever be food. It could be something else. But we first have to address like the most basic thing. And it's just so still and, you know, 2024 so overlooked and just I think a bit taken for granted that that could be the thing. I've had athletes grow inches that were told from their doctor that they weren't going to grow anymore. Inches. I had a swimmer that grew three inches, which is a big deal for a swimmer, you know, where an inch is the difference between first and second place. Um, and she grew three inches and she was told she wasn't going to grow anymore and was really disappointed by that when we changed her fueling and got that dialed in for her. So it's powerful. And we're not always eating for performance. I just want to say this. I've been in this industry for a long time and I've worked in every aspect. You know, we eat for joy. We eat for community. We eat to celebrate. And so it doesn't mean, you know, I have three agreements I make with parents and student athletes when I start to teach them. Um, and the first one is consistency over perfection. We're never going to be perfect with our food. We don't always do our skill practice. We don't make every three-point shot when we're practicing it. But the more consistent we are with trying to do the things we know are going to help us achieve our goal, the better we get with it and the more automatic it becomes. And so we, we think about it less. The second is add before you take away. And so we're not trying to get, you know, I never, if someone says, hey, if you're expected to hear from me today during this talk that you're, you're hoping that nutrition lady is going to tell your kids, no more soda, no more fast food, no more pizza, then, you know, this isn't the talk for you. Because all you do now that we understand reds, if I say none, none of that stuff, now I'm just subtracting calories and there's a bigger vacuum or void that I can't get the stuff that I want them to eat in there quick enough. So I want to stack the good stuff in and then the, the stuff that we want them to maybe eat less is oftentimes subtracts itself. Uh, and, and then we don't want to fight about the food, which the common language helps us with that we already talked about when we know our kids goals, they understand the why I believe that the food fight, the fights about food go way down. That's been my experience with my clients and in my house. And so when we have these agreements, um, and we understand how to approach food and we know how to tie it back to goals and we know that food doesn't always have to be goal driven. It can just be because it's a birthday and I want to eat some cake. Or it's Friday night, it's T Taco Tuesday, and we love the chips and salsa from this place over here. Um, athletes don't diet, and diet culture is ruining our the health of our society. And so um, it doesn't always have to be about performance. It's just about the power of food and understanding how it can help us achieve our goals and how we can beautifully use it to celebrate milestones or, or just have a, a fun Friday night together. It's amazing. And would you say, so I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of parents like us listen to this. They're like, this is incredible. I see opportunities and possibilities for my student athlete, like where to start. And I know that on your website, which if you go to jilllane.com and you scroll down a little bit, you can download your performance nutrition starter kit. Would that be like, is that where you'd recommend a parent start to like wrap their minds around some of this and just yep. ease their way into it? Yeah, it'll go over some of the things we talked about today, like um, knowing what your student athlete's goals are, writing down their schedule and just really looking at it. I mean, we're so busy doing the schedule, the driving, the driving, you know, you, I'm sure you guys like me, I feel like I live in my car the more than my house. Um, and so it just kind of puts pen to paper on the schedule, the goals, and then you can kind of reverse engineer. It'll give you some places to start. There's a few basic recipes for People in your house, like adults, maybe who don't know how to cook, parents, or even the student athletes that might want to get involved. So I, I think it's a great place to start um, and it's free. So it's worth grabbing and, and seeing how you can use it to um, kind of springboard tapping into that potential in your home. Yeah, I love it. And we're, we're, we've, I've already downloaded it. Again, jilllane.com, J I L L L A N E.com. And then you scroll down a little bit and you'll see the performance nutrition starter kit because like, yeah, this is such a relevant conversation in our home. Like the timing of you coming, I think I'm just going to tell our one son, like, dude, you could grow three inches and he'll, he'll do whatever. Like if we just, if we just said that as a possibility, no promises, but we'll, Jill has had a client. He'll be like, okay, I'll do, I'll do it. I'll do anything. Yeah. It's amazing. And I love the three agreements and just the, the, the clarity of this. And you know, it's so funny things like this. And you say, we take it for granted. Uh, one of my coaches and mentors, he was recently, recently teaching us this concept around just human performance and way of being. And he said this quote, this line that me and my team, it was at a team retreat that I held for my company. And he said, it's not rocket science, it's farming. Hmm. And I love that line. So applicable to so many things. It's like, yeah, because, you know, farming, you know, it takes some intention, takes some planning, but it's pretty simple. You, cool. you, you get the ground ready. 
you plant, you water, you nurture, you take care of it with consistency, and then there's a harvest. And so just like this, and that's what I, one of the things I'm trying to help my children see and struggling, but it's like, this doesn't have to be rocket science. The industry wants to make diet and food and nutrition rocket science because it makes us feel like, oh, it's overwhelming, confusing. And that's how they keep us buying lots of things. But it's, yeah, it's like, that's what I, that's, that's the thing that keeps recurring to me. And this is like, it's not rocket science, it's farming and both. But I think a lot of parents need help with a system. Like, how do I approach this? And that's what obviously you provide, which is amazing. Here's how I knew I was maybe kind of doing a good job at what I do for a living with my own kids. A couple of weeks ago, my youngest who's 12 came home from soccer practice. I wasn't home when she got picked up. She came home. I asked her how practice was. And she said, it was horrible. I was so tired. I didn't eat enough before I went. And I was like, my work here is done. And so I'm just, you know, we just want them to notice, you know, notice, start noticing how you feel and start connecting the dots. It's just like a higher level thinking. And then they can start to be proactive. They can ask us for help. We can teach them those skills. You know, then it becomes something that not only impacts them during this acute, amazing time of being a student athlete, but forever. That's a forever skill, you know, noticing how you're feeling and then seeing, is there something I'm doing or not doing that could influence it? It could be food. It could be sleep. It could be who you hang out with. It could be your exercise. You know, it could be a lot of different things, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful skill to teach our kids. Yeah, I think it's one of the most beautiful gifts. Like one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know, it's one of those quotes that like 17 people are, it's attributed to, so I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll start claiming it to you, Jill. It said, a healthy person has a thousand wishes, an unhealthy person has just one. Yeah. It's like when you have your health, everything's available to you. Everything's possible. When you don't have your health, that's all that that matters. And so when you talk about this, man, the gift you could give your children to know how to fuel themselves properly, adequately. That's like, that's going to serve them the rest of their life in anything they go do. And you could impact, you could set in motion things that impact families for generations. So yeah, I think it's amazing. And people notice what your kids are doing and they can have influence on others, which I've seen through the athletes I work with and in my student athletes. Um, If I could leave you with a story that's a powerful example of championing, I I would love, um, for us to just leave on that note, because as much as I love the fueling part of it, I'm a science nerd. I love the X's and O's. I love teaching that because I know it's a great gift, but I'm at a stage in my career where I have just so much um, looking back and connecting of the dots. And I've worked with pro athletes who also have, you know, that capability to look back and, and just see the meaningful times they were championed when they need it. When I was in high school, you know, I was a really good soccer player. We were, I was a senior in high school. We were on path to, you know, make it into the playoffs. We were playing another team in our district who I was a senior, had a freshman goalie. And I was the leading scorer in the district. And this girl was saving everything, everything. I could not get a goal past her. And our game ended in a tie, one-to-one. And that was like a loss for me. Like I was just so disappointed like how could this freshman like I'm a senior she's a freshman like you know that not but she played an amazing game and this was back in the day when you would get interviewed by like a news reporter and it'd be like in the newspaper the next day you know um so after all that after the game you know you get interviewed we're loading up to the buses and the coach from the other team comes up to me I didn't know this man I knew he was a coach but I don't to this day I don't even know what his first name is and he said um, some kind words to me about how I played. And he said, do you know what your last name means? And so my maiden name is Volmuth, very, you know, hard to pronounce German last name. And I said, no. And he said, it means full of courage. And uh, there's like a silence. And he said, if you ever need anything, you need a letter for a scholarship, you need a letter for school, you know, if there's anything ever that you need, just please, you know, let me know. I'm, I will help you, you know, achieve whatever you need to achieve next. I didn't know this man to this day. I still don't know his, I don't remember his name. I just know he was the coach of Chatfield High School, that we tied one to one, that I was interviewed for the game, that I said I didn't have my lucky socks on that day. That's why I didn't score more goals. Um, but I'll never forget that moment. I know where we were standing on the field. It was a night game. I can the the lights from the stadium. 
that's what it means to champion someone. He didn't need to come up to me and tell me that my last, meanwhile, my own high school coach, whose name was Heinz, was also German. And he had never told me that before. So this guy, you know, and, and of course I looked it up later and it was true. Do you know what your last name means? Full of courage, like anything you need to be successful at the next level, I will help you. So we all have a powerful gift that we can give ourselves, which is just to champion who we are and also that we can give others. And it doesn't have to even be people that we know. And so the X's and O's of feeling champions, I love, but I think the part that's been most meaningful to me, both because it's been the most impactful to me personally, um, but it's, eh, it's become a gift that I've been able to give the athletes that I work with, even the most elite, you know, people who get paychecks with lots of zeros on the end um, is to just champion people, whether we know we need it or not. And sometimes our kids need that from us. They need us to stand in that gap of possibility and potential until they can do it themselves. And sometimes we just, like you said, Chris, speak it into others because we just feel called to do it. It's amazing. What a beautiful story. I love that. And yeah, and you never know. Like that coach says one thing to you. doesn't have to either, right? But it's just the power of pulling someone aside and just speaking a little bit of possibility and them championing them. Yeah, what a beautiful way to in the episode. Well, Jill, you've been amazing. Thank you. I, I've learned a ton. I have so many thoughts. And yeah, we're going to have to go. Um, yeah, debrief. debriefing. That's why, that's honestly, that's why we do this podcast is we get to meet amazing people and we get to benefit from this as much as I think, or more than even our listeners. So to all those of you who have listened, thank you, Jill. You know, thank you so much for what you shared and you, you. Are, you are a champion. Y'all have championed me. Um, it's the reason why I'm on this podcast. Uh, it's my small token of giving back to the the standing in the gap that you have provided for me along my business and adult journey. So um, thank you so much. Um, it's It's been a blessing for me to spend this time with you guys. Okay, everyone, we'll have it in the show notes, but again, go to jilllane.com. Thank you. Thanks, Jill. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple. And we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you, it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. One last thing. We feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.